out. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hear Me Out. My name's RJ. My name's Blay, and this is the podcast where two selfish best friends, RJ and myself, try to become better friends by getting the other person to take up a new passion, a new hobby, or just generally being open to a cool new thing. Every week, we have a new topic. Every week, we have a new expert guest. And every week... One of us, the loser, will be donating to a charity. Now, RJ, I'm going to say right off the bat, we normally don't do this. I'm going to try to convince you to watch documentaries. So what is the what is the charity that you have chosen for this topic? <laughs> All right. So because you could go any way with this. And I could go anywhere. So I, I went for I just tried to go for uh, it's not it's not documentary specific, but it Fuck could you. but it could Fuck. be. But maybe it is. So here's the thing. I don't know shit about documentaries. So maybe right. this could be. Uh, okay. You guys can tell me. It's uh, the charity is called No Kid Hungry. Uh, they're working to make every kid get three meals a day all over the world. If you guys want to donate, you can go to NoKidHungry.org. No, there's got to be there's got to be a documentary about child yes, hunger. There is. There's many. There's every documentary is about child hunger. If you dig down deep enough, they sound depressing. They well, they're important. They are important. So and is I, this charity. That's true. Well, I have brought an important person to us. Okay. Because here's the thing. Uh, she has a connection to us that is is deeper than than you or I alone. Please welcome That's Lauren Kushner. No, it's true. Please welcome Lauren <laughs> Hi, Kushner. Lauren. Hey, Lauren, what's up? Hi, everyone. How's it going? Good. Now, Lauren is the co-founder of Early Bird Films, and you guys yeah. consult for independent filmmakers on their projects. Um, you focus on early development stages, fundraising, story, character development, all that type of stuff. Tell us a little bit about about that. And what Lauren, you do. yeah, Lauren, before we get into the documentary of it all and me screaming at RJ, it's very yeah. early in the morning, <laughs> and I inject coffee into my eyeballs. <laughs> me too. What What do you like? You know, as somebody who who works in film, what do you like about stories? What What draws you to certain stories, and what kind of stories do you love to uh, to watch? I think the the number one kind of story I love, and especially in documentary film, are films that subvert expectations. So you go in with, you know, an idea, sometimes a negative one, and then your jaw is dropped being like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. So that's what I really love. Um, you know, I think that people also like to see themselves in some way uh, reflected. And so I think that's another, uh, you know, another thing. And then also, you know, being able to see or learn about other parts of the world are things that are super interesting that you had zero idea happen in the world. And it's like, every day you've been alive, this wild thing has been happening, whether that's some kind of contest or like maybe some kind of conflict. And you're like, this is so wild. I had no idea. And I'll also just say, I am not a sports fan, but I love sports movies and sports documentaries. Ooh, yeah. So good. Hell yeah. So good. uh, What was the, are we counting in this argument? Are we counting uh, TV, like documentary series? Yes. Like the, like what, The Last Dance? 
That's a documentary. I yeah. I grew up in Chicago. That was like traveling back That's home. Cool. It was it was wow. so awesome. I was I, com- I was coming of age during uh, during that. So it was pretty awesome to get to go to those games and then to get to relive it and be like, oh, I didn't know all this stuff was happening as a child. Like the behind the scenes stuff. The behind the scenes stuff. Like I had a friend who lived in Scotty Pippen's old house and i was God. like that's crazy and then you're watching it and it's like scotty pippen's the worst paid player and i'm like oh okay maybe it wasn't the status symbol i thought it was <laughs> it was a funny. one room house it was a one room house uh lauren do you have <laughs> what are your favorite documentaries like this is an easy you know a kind of a softy question for this but like uh, what if you were gonna tell me you gotta watch this documentary or this documentary, what are some of your favorites? So the ones that come to mind are a couple that I got to support through my work and with filmmakers that have become um, good friends. And I'd say the way I would like sum up, I am not a filmmaker. I am a cheerleader for filmmakers, uh, sometimes a therapist for filmmakers. More Sometimes more important than actually the filmmakers, by the yeah. way. <laughs> So it's this, you know, it's kind of a lot of behind the scenes, just like cheerleading and navigating. So, you know, I am not uh, kind of like a creative force on uh, or I bring my creativity in a different way. Um, The film that will forever own my heart is called Honeyland, uh, which came out in 2019. It was it was um, nominated for. Uh, it was the first film ever to be nominated for both Best Documentary Feature and Best International. And again, very much had this feeling of thinking I n- knew what I was going to be watching of some like anthropological like s- film about this like woman who's a beekeeper, a bee hunter actually in Macedonia. And it turns out just to be a film about shitty neighbors and she's like bickering with her mom the same way I bicker with my mom she's fighting with her neighbors the same way I have and it's like this woman is like scaling mountains to collect honey from wild bees and I feel so connected and related <laughs> to wow. like to so it's her it's not a movie it's not a movie about uh bears about a planet it's, of bears it is uh no it is not um okay. Yeah, it and it's not short for Honey Nut Cheerio Land either. Dude. Right. It's not about okay. cereal. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying a misleading title. That's all I'm saying. Oh, Blay, I didn't realize how much work we had to do here. It's a lot. <laughs> he's 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 a stubborn little bitch. I'm a stubborn he's man. A, he's a stu- well, man's generous. Uh, but I will say, uh, uh, Lauren, and what is he, like one thing that I really love? Like uh, the thing is, there's there's a place for. Avengers movies. There's a place for these huge Michael Bay blockbusters. Yeah. But but one thing I love is the rise of independent filmmaking. And I I think we're in this world now and I, I wanted to know what you thought about kind of the middle class of filmmaking. I feel like in the 90s and early 2000s there was a kind of movie like most Matthew McConaughey rom-coms <laughs> yeah. that would be kind of like in the middle. Like it wasn't, right. it, it had big stars, but it wasn't a big movie, you know, like sweet home Alabama, like these movies. And there are other ones that are not rom-coms that I can't think of at the moment, but, 
And I feel like streaming has obviously changed the game in terms of film and in terms of what we're seeing. And I feel like a lot of the middle class of film has kind of now gone to like a Netflix. But in terms of behind the scenes and making movies, how is streaming and and how is streaming affected budgets? How how is it uh, affected productions? And do you find that it's helped you more in the independent world or is it hurting more in the independent world? Oh, that's a very complicated question. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say like this is not a a full analysis, but I think uh, and also hopefully not a cop out. There's definitely pros and cons. I think I think one uh, one shift is there are, you know, people talk about the golden age of documentary, that there's so much funding for documentary, that there's Netflix, you know, and now Apple walking away with you know, yeah. buying a film for $10 million, $15 million out of Sundance. And that is the massive exception to the rule. So most <laughs> documentary filmmakers are also teaching. They're right. also doing other, uh, you know, other work, commercial work. Um, and not just like, oh, independent filmmakers. I don't, there's nothing I love more than like watching a like, couple in a Camry commercial and then they're being interviewed by Errol Morris about like how it drives. So even well-known filmmakers oftentimes get their, you know, get their salary for the year from doing commercial work and, um, you know, and that allows them to do the stuff that they're really passionate about. But like, uh, documentary filmmakers are still, um, it's still extremely hard to get your film funded. Uh, it is, um, yeah, it's just, it is a, a, a real challenge and one that I think, uh, the U S in particular isn't, you know, many other countries have so much funding for and documentaries. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. And like, fr- like one of my friends lives in France and she, and she's making the short film now. And I was like, Oh, that's so great. How'd you get the money? She's like, yeah, the government paid for this. They, they like the idea. And I was like, Jesus. Wow. That's crazy. Like, it is funny. Yeah. There's that old, I, I remember, I think when John Stewart was hosting the Oscars, this is like a joke that's always stuck with me. Cause it was so true. But when he was introducing, uh, the uh, what like the whatever the independent film or uh, not the independent film category, but like that documentary category. He's like, he goes, uh, and now he's like, for uh, the only winners tonight who will be going home in a normal car. <laughs> that was like, that's it. I mean, that's it's, hilarious. And and in certain ways, it's interesting to me because I think one thing RJ and I share a lot. We obviously fight a lot, but you know, at, at our core, we're great friends. And one thing I think RJ, you and I share is a real passion and a drive to be creative. And, sure. and I think that's one thing on a base level. And we'll get to this after the break, but that's one thing at a base level I appreciate about documentary filmmaking. No one's doing it for the money. <laughs> no yeah, one's doing it for the glamour. People have a passion and obsession, come across a great story, or they just want to tell something. Like Honeyland is such a great example too, because I'm sure that, we're going through the same journey when we're watching Honeyland as the filmmakers did making it, you know, like they find the thing in it. And, and, um, that's such a, that I think to me is like the meta, the meta enjoyment I get out of watching documentaries or independent films. Also, there's a great film I just saw called coherence, which was a, 
hyper independent, not primer level. You know, primer is this famous time travel movie that costs seven thousand dollars to make. Not primer level, but certainly like basically this guy got six of his friends in a house, did, had a dinner party. It was just a really great script. And it was it's like in the house and shot outside the house. And he is awesome. And like I I mark a great movie by do I put my phone down? And this movie like was awesome. And, you know, it costs fucking like twelve thousand dollars. But they just had this great story they wanted to tell. And that's what I love so much about independent filmmaking. Do you think like here's a great question in terms of and this is something RJ and I you talk about you and I talk about a lot, too. But people have the ability now to shoot anything they want on their phones. Yeah. And and I think this is my kind of view is I love that because what we're just starting to see now are these young people like the technical expertise they get just from the fact now everyone is using a camera. Everyone knows what bad audio is. Everybody knows, oh, find your light. Wait, let's turn this way for the selfie so we can get in the light. And so I think I think we're just starting to see that in independent filmmaking, how like the technical you don't no longer are shooting on eight millimeter, you know, Blair Witch style or, you know, in the woods. Right. It used to be really easy when I was reviewing projects for one of the companies I worked at that was looking for really sleek, high budget stuff. It used to be really easy to go through and look at it and say like, okay, not that, not that, not that. Right. And now it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, everything looks really good. Yeah, it's And, uh, you know, and I think there's also, I- I'm always like so impressed with like the young people, the, the, the youth today on the, tic- the, the youth on TikTok, just to be like, oh, they also understand story and And timing and timing in a way that just like, I don't know that like I felt the same way about sort of like my generation because that's just how they, uh, they think and is so creative when they see something and then can riff off of that. So I think it's a combination of those things and definitely being able to, you know, a, a big part of documentary film is access and, it's certainly uh, still not easy because there's so much content out there. A lot of other factors come into play. So a distributor, a, uh, you know, the curatorial elements of it, um, money, marketing, all of that. But there is an ability for people who are on the ground in their communities to be capturing things. And I think that there's a shift now to wanting um films that come from this really close insider perspective that are deeply authentic. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's exciting to see how that, um, you know, how that's coming, coming about. Yeah, it's pretty, it's really cool. Also, do you think that there's a thing of, and obviously question for you, RJ as well, but I, it feels like there's the rise of the documentary has happened in the past few years also because of Netflix and these streamers. It's easier for people to see these documentary films in a low stakes way, much like on Spotify, I'm not going to buy an $18 CD for 12 songs, but I'll check out a song for free. And then if I like it, great. And so it's like almost like people are like, have rediscovered documentaries in the past, you know, five or six years. um, Yeah. 
Yeah, I think the streamers have had a huge impact on that, and they have put a lot of money into building that out to acquiring um, projects, even if they're not originals. And it's interesting to see sort of what's happened uh, essentially that, that I think often can be a good thing is that there's it's forced non-streamers and in some ways it's forced everyone who isn't Netflix <laughs> to start investing in films earlier um, oh, because you can oftentimes whether you're complete you know if you're closing a film's budget you can do that for much less money before the film's finished if it goes oh. to Sun Sundance and wins all these awards and Netflix swoops in with a 12 million dollar offer most other people can't compete with that. And so yeah. I think that's really nice to see the way that there has been this out of necessity focus on getting involved earlier, uh, really working with artists again and again to kind of have them, you know, you'll see certain filmmakers and it's like, oh, all their work kind of goes on Showtime because there's that relationship that's been built and it's one that's mutually beneficial. So yeah. I think that's exciting. And yeah, it's it's definitely difficult even if the film is super accessible if something's not on Netflix because that's like the, you know, it's like Kleenex, right? It's like yeah. that's the easiest exactly. thing. That's what people think of. So if there's an extra one or two steps, it's really hard to communicate that to people. But I think I think people are more willing to take that extra like step or two. Yeah, that's to kind find, of the double edge. Stuff. That's kind of the double edged sword for me. Uh, and we'll talk about this when we come back in a second. But like, um, you know, that if they're all on the streamers and or they're not all on the streamers, but there's a ton on the streamers. So it almost feels like there's too many. I don't know. They're, they're very specific. I don't know what to do. Um, but then it, it also feels like you can make a documentary about documentaries in this way where there's probably so many more that aren't that didn't make it onto the streamers. Um, and that seems interesting, too. Uh, so let's let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, you guys can try to convince me to watch these things, I guess. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right. We're here with Lauren Kushner, who's a co-founder of Early, Early Bird Films uh, and consults for independent filmmakers uh, and all sorts of awesome stuff behind the scenes, getting stories made, which is my favorite thing in the world. You are, an, you are a, a miracle cool. worker. Miracle worker. And we're talking about, I'm trying to convince RJ to get into documentaries. So yeah. the thing is, here's the thing, RJ. I'm just yeah. going to start off with this. I was like you. I was like you. I were hated you? documentary. I was. <laughs> I mean, I was, uh, you know, I've always been this handsome, but I was like you in terms <laughs> of not watching documentaries. And the reason why I kind of brought up before the break the rise of the documentaries, because for me, the biggest stumbling block has been removed. Mm. You can find you can all find of them. these. You can find them. Yeah, it was hard to know before because here's the thing, and, and and Lauren, feel free to jump in, but it's the the theater system was tough. It was tough to get into find independent movies. Now in Los Angeles, it's obviously very easy, but in Michigan and even in New York, there's only a few kind of art house cinemas that would show these kinds of films. So now you don't have an excuse. You don't have an excuse. Uh, to watch documentaries because I have plenty of excuses. Well, I'm just saying <laughs> access is not one access of them. is not one of them. Access that, is not one of them. 
That Willful ignorance will always be an option. <laughs> but here's here's why I like documentaries. There's a lot of reasons, and I, okay. I have many. But, you know, first and foremost, I think what document the best documentaries to me uh, teach me something about life I didn't I didn't know. So yeah. it, education I could put under a lot of these documentaries and a lot of the documentaries I think you would like fall under education. March of the Penguins, for instance, Planet Earth, for instance, like these uh -huh. nature documentaries are absolutely spectacular. I mean, Planet Earth is one of the and just technically one of the greatest achievements yeah. I've ever seen in my Planet life. Planet Earth is cool. I've seen some I've seen. All right, let, me, let me just say up top, I've seen some documentaries, okay. but they're very, very specifically curated to what I like. So like Planet That's Earth. That's a great I've thing seen. about. But you know what? That's a great thing about documentaries is they but, can be very specific. What are, true. what are the examples? Well, yeah. So so Planet Earth. I just saw the other day uh, the Anthony Bourdain documentary because I'm oh, obsessed great. with Anthony Bourdain, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he, in his own way, was kind of a documentary filmmaker. His show that. But again, super specific to what I like. And then um, the, really the only other two documentaries that I can think of are two of my favorite movies that I've ever seen. One is um, uh, my, my, The King of Kong. Love it. Oh, great. And About then the, the video, video game guy. The video game guys. And then the other one is, um, oh God, I'm blanking on the name, The Imposter. Great. Um, it's great, Crazy. Lauren. He, Lauren, he's already on our side. Yeah, no. So, so I think we can wrap. Well, <laughs> listen, wrap it up. I've also seen a couple horror movies, but I don't like horror movies. But That's like, true. but what I'm saying is, is it they're super specific, and they're also, I will say, incredibly like they're like the blockbusters of documentaries. Like I feel like everyone's seen these, whereas a lot King of, of Kong? people who've no seen way. King of Kong. Oh yeah, that's like a lot of people have seen it, but only our friends. Okay, I mean, okay, okay. All right, I wouldn't say that right. one's fair. And the imposter, that's probably not true. But like the, the Anthony Bourdain one is in a movie theater, yeah. and that's where I went and saw it. So like the uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you keep going on your arguments. But but part of what you've already said, like the I would rather go see a movie. The, when they're in a movie theater, I feel like that gives it a validation for me. And I'm like, oh, it must be good enough for me to go see rather oh, than, you know what I'm saying? Boy. Rather than it just being on YouTube or, net, or on the streamer or whatever. Uh, that might not be fair, but that's probably how I curate these things. Wow. What a yeah. prick. So yeah. you're saying you're saying Roma, a movie uh, by Alfonso Corona I watched last night. Maybe the best movie of 2018. One of the top movies of the decade and the century doesn't count because it was on Netflix. Well, that one doesn't count because it's not in English. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not trying what to read. Shit. I'm not trying to read what a, a movie. Fuck off. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, okay, we're moving further away. <laughs> yeah. We're drifting away. Okay. Oh, now you're going to start saying, let's watch documentaries in other languages. Well, that's, what, that's what Honeyland is. <laughs> that's yeah, that's Honeyland. Is. Oh, I didn't know that. But so the thing, here's the thing. I, I think that. I'll move quickly through these arguments because I feel like because I feel like as a whole, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. I, I think, look, documentaries at their core. What is a documentary? It's just a true story, but it's a true story that is more compelling than something that's written. And here's why. OK, okay. because 
the best documentaries, in my view, and Lauren, I don't know about you, I love a documentary where the filmmakers discover something as it goes on. Those are my favorite kinds of documentaries. For instance, Wilco has a documentary. I was not a huge Wilco fan. Somebody was like, there's this great documentary called I'm Trying to Break Your Heart. It's about Wilco. And I was like, fucking Wilco. Okay, I, I, I know a couple of albums. I watched this documentary. Here's what happens in the documentary. They're just shooting basically a documentary about Wilco. But during the course of the movie, while they're shooting it, Wilco breaks up. The fucking band starts to break up and it's all on camera. And it's just every time that happens, Lauren, I've always like the filmmakers are like, yes, yes, yes. But though that is and here's why it's more compelling, because it doesn't follow the traditional save the cat structure that we're so used to. Even a movie that I enjoyed this independent movie, Coherence. I'm like, oh, 34 minutes in. Here comes the act break. Here's the move into act. You know, you kind of know. Here comes the point where everything up. Oh, and now here are, is it, are they going to save the day or not? But don't you think those moments sometimes in documentaries now are a little manufactured? Well, I'm saying the best ones are not. That's the thing is I, I think that documentaries like all movies are there's varying degrees of quality. But the best documentaries, I would argue, not. And also, Lauren, there, my friend made uh, my friend made this movie called The Amazing Jonathan Documentary, which is kind of RJ, what you're saying. It's about a documentary about making a documentary because oh, cool. it gets crazy. And so I got to be on the other side. Why? And everybody should watch it. It's on Hulu. And he starts to make a documentary about this, you know, comedian in the 90s who's addicted to meth. And as he's making this documentary about this guy, he shows up one day and there's another documentary crew there. And he's like, what are you guys doing? Did he die? And he's like, they're like, no, we're making a documentary. He's like, what? He's like, I'm making a documentary. And they're like, (laughs) he's like, how long have you been doing it? And they're like, eight months. And he'd only been doing it for six months. Oh, my God. So he's like, fuck. And then he starts... He keep then he's like, well, I'm going to keep making my documentary. So now these both guys and then there's another documentary crew comes in. who has been what? doing it for two years and it just becomes this crazy thing. And as you're watching it, it's this like you're, there's no way if you scripted that it would be as good. There's just no way. I don't know. Learn. What do you think the big differences between scripted and documentary when it comes to telling a story? I think there is that element of, uh, you know, oftentimes documentaries take uh you know, filmmakers sometimes spend five years, 10 years isn't like, you know, they start out with something and it continues to get bigger and more reveals itself. And there certainly is an an element, uh, you know, so much of documentary films happens in the edit room. And so there certainly are things that are structured certain ways where it's like, oh, we have 300 hours of footage that wasn't used and we're putting it together in this, you know, in a way to make it more compelling. But it's not like reality TV where the producers are like whispering things into people's ears or like bringing in, you know, being like, Oh, we set their house on fire so they could like we could see how they (laughs) respond to that. There's just all these things that happen when the camera is rolling. And I think a lot of times the people who come and are like super open and open their doors and want you to see their lives also are doing that because they're hiding secrets. (laughs) And as that stuff starts to bubble up, you're watching it in real time. And yeah, there's so many things that if you put that in a script, people would be like, 
that's not realistic. That would never happen. That's way too on the nose. Yeah. But you know that you're watching it. So it's um, to me that like, yeah, that discovery process is just uh, is incredible. And as I studied, um, I, I studied screenwriting in school and I'm like classically where it's like the third minute of the of a TV show, often especially I know everything that's about to happen and it's, it's, you know, it changes that versus like being on something that feels like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's about to happen. Um, That's what I love about it. I I agree. And I would, I would, I would kind of say RJ it's sketch comedy to improv. I mean, I I think Mm -hmm. like a movie is sketch comedy. It's a written thing. And a lot of movies are really great, but there is a certain ethereal primal thing when you're watching improv, you don't know what's going to happen. And the best documentaries have that magic as well. You don't know where things are going and they take twists and turns that are absolutely wild. There's a great documentary called don't fuck with cats. And it's about, it starts off about this guy makes this video where it looks like a cat is being abused on online. And these two people get really angry and are like going to hunt this guy down. And it becomes this crazy fucking rabbit hole (laughs) of like, and I I almost don't even want to ruin it, but I do want to ruin it to tell you. So you watch it, but it's just becomes crazier than you would ever think like them hunting this guy down and they find him and it just gets like two like normal people two normal people like you and me <laughs> are just like and and at one point like th- they find they see like the corner of a doorway of an outside doorway and they go on Go. this is a real thing they go on google maps and they know he lives in this town and they look down every street on google oh maps till they find, and they find it oh my god and it's it's wild. And that's the thing. It's like, Lauren, to your point, if this was a movie that was written, you'd kind of be like, all right, yeah, they're probably going to find the guy. But because it's real, it's totally, you're like, my, I'm screaming. I'm standing on my couch screaming at this thing. Because also, here's the other thing, RJ, and this is the most important thing for you as a writer. You yeah. don't know if it's going to work out. It's real life. And we don't know what's going to work out, but a film was made about it. So you know that there's going to be something that happens. Well, sometimes. Or else it's going to be a bad movie. But also, but also, like, for instance, there's a great uh, documentary I'll tell you about later because I don't want to ruin it for people listening about mountain climbing and this crazy thing. And the whole time I'm kind of thinking, well, it's not that fucked up. I mean, like, you know, the guys are being interviewed, so they survived or whatever. And at the end, they pan down and the one guy is like completely paralyzed and has his legs amputated. And you're like, oh, my God, like, wait a second. Like, you know, like things Whoa. really did. There were real consequences here. But yeah. the way that the filmmakers chose to tell it was uh, was we're getting away from my arguments, but there's so much to talk about. No, there is so much. And I think let me ask a quick question, because this is something I think that a lot of people who maybe are like me and haven't gotten into documentaries too much is because and this kind of goes along the same uh, the same path we're going down here is realism and bias. I think a lot of times people, at least people like where I grew up, won't go see documentaries is because they already have like a preconceived notion of politically 
the filmmaker's point of view or politically Hollywood's point of view. And they don't want somebody telling them because there is a bias in most documentaries and you could probably make similar documentaries twice and they have different stories. So how do you kind of Lauren, I'm interested as somebody who like consults filmmakers, how do you kind of direct these people in, in, in a way to like, this is the wrong word, but like ethically make a true film. Does that make sense? (laughs) Absolutely. And I think a big part of that is having people who are from um, a region and who speak that language, who have ties to it. And some places like that can be, oh, I grew up here and I moved, but now I'm coming back. And some people are like, no, you left. Your card's been revoked. Like this is, you know, so, you know, and, and a really big part of it is also just building just the act of building trust with the people who are in these films, because they're often kind of dealing with the same thing or worried about, you know, being presented in a certain way or characterized. And so there's there's often months of just going there without a camera, just getting to know people. And, you know, and I think that ultimately, you know, most of the filmmakers we've worked with. And I think this goes to, uh, I guess this is, this is something that that could probably be said about like many of the subjects you talk about. But to me, I think there's this element right with documentary film where we're talking about like, it's like, Oh, the fruits and vegetables, right? Like I should be eating this because it's good for me. So people say, right. And to me, I think it's, you know, a can of someone was like, I don't like fruit. And it's like, okay, like you don't like any fruit. Like <laughs> technically, like avocados are a fruit. Tomatoes, Cuc- yeah. Cucumbers are, f- right? Like, do you like orange juice, right? So I think there's this idea that, you know, and I think there's this this feeling of like, oh, well, I like these kinds of documentaries. I'm not into these other things. And that's okay. I that see. is totally fine to have the stuff that speaks to you uh you know that speaks to you personally and i think what can start to happen is you you know you maybe you like a film and then another film comes up that's somehow related or you're interested in that documentary filmmaker's perspective and maybe you go in and i do think there has to be like a little bit of um Risk taking, but I think you also need somebody in your life who you trust, who I feel like you have, who I feel like is on this podcast, who knows you really well. And it's you. (laughs) It's you. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That when they tell you watch something, you watch it because you watch it. And I think that's. It sounds like you're also breaking up. documentaries into like subcategories too which i guess i in my head probably because of the oscars and there's only one category i haven't really thought of it in that way of like well these are comedy documentaries or this is a you know this is a political documentary or an environment you know whatever Right. So if you told me the things that you're interested in, I mean, again, there's these things that are so much more wild. And I think even if there's certain documentaries that I'd say, even if I'm like, I know what you like, I know you don't like reading subtitles during a film. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm still going to suggest a film like Midnight Family, which is a couple years old, that is a family that operates an ambulance in Mexico City, where I think there's like like 10 ambulances that the government provides for a city with, you know, mil- like whatever, how many oh million people. That's insane. So, independent, so independent, I, so independent people start operating, uh, start operating ambulances. They pay cops to let them know there's been an accident. There's, there's this needed and they are literally racing through the streets of Mexico city, trying to beat out other, uh, ambulances and they get there. They don't know what the situation is and they don't know if the family's going to have any money to pay them. And there's a lot of like ethical things and they've got their nine year old who's like adorable and so funny in the car with them. It's, it's a father and his sons doing it. So the truth is like it's subtitled, but you almost don't need to know what they're saying. Like yeah. so much of it is just about the action going. And then there'll be this moment where it's just like, you're so hyped up on adrenaline. And then this like emotional moment happens. I'm like thinking of one now and like literally getting chills. That's oh just God. like, it's so good. And there's another, there's another film too. That's, this is one where as much I was, you know, the U.S. does not have a lot of support, but I think when people hear like PBS documentary, they're like, no, I'm asleep. Goodbye. And <laughs> sleep. there's there are. So there's this film that, again, to, to Blaze point that, like, you don't know what's going to happen. So these filmmakers who are based in Philadelphia um, got access to Larry Krasner, who's a very progressive DA, who basically ran a campaign a few years ago to become DA as like, not a joke, but as a like, I just want to get my viewpoints out there. Like, I want people to hear from, you know, this progressive view. Obviously, he's not going to win. And he gave them full 100% access. And then he won. Wow. And he was like, well, I get like, yeah, I mean, his whole platform was about transparency. So literally these filmmakers were finding out wild things that you're watching in real time. Their office was across. And you, you know that you're watching them find this before Larry Krasner knows about it. And again, to Blaze point that like if this was in a movie that you're going through a filing cabinet and you find a folder that's like bad cops don't call as witnesses, you'd be like, who the fuck leaves a folder around that has every <laughs> cop that like is like un- like has like espoused like Nazi viewpoints. And so you're not going to put them on the stand and you're watching this in real time and it's free. It's on, it's on public television. And that's, what's amazing too, is that even with Netflix making things so accessible, they're still right. It was like the number one thing on Netflix watch was office reruns, but there are millions of viewers that get there, that get films through their public television channels. And so I think that what we, um, you know, expect, but I know I've kind of moved very far away, but your question of people assuming what documentaries are. And I think there just needs to be like one or two that start to, again, 
subvert that, that are from the community where people see themselves in that film where they don't feel like there's an agenda. And a lot of times those are going to be films that aren't about a political issue. They're not about childhood hunger and that's okay. Or they're about this amazing family or they're about a family that drives a, uh, you know, that, that races around in an ambulance and them not getting money you see in real time they're not getting enough food to eat. Yeah. But you're not sitting there feeling hit over the head with it. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and also, I, I would say absolutely 100 percent agree with everything, everything you just said, Lauren. But and also, I would say sometimes the bias is good, like Blackfish, which is that movie about SeaWorld. It's uh, good that they were like, guess what? This is terrible. SeaWorld <laughs> is not right. Or the Britney documentary where it's like, hey, guess what? This might be super fucked up. Like. Ang- like political bias and 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 opinions and and the angle in which they're telling things is kind of sometimes the most powerful thing about a documentary, which is great. And I I would almost and Lauren to kind of catapult off the what you were saying, I would almost love for people to stop calling them documentaries because I think it's it's almost become like you said an eat your vegetables kind of yes. word. In an undeserving way. I think 20 years ago, 30 years ago, fine. Documentaries were very much about journalism. We're very much about all this other stuff. But now it's gotten to the point where you're watching things like about, you know, hero dreams of sushi, about like an amazing guy making. And it's all about like the beauty and the meticulousness of leading a simple life and, and being Zen. And it's like, that doesn't deserve, that deserves a different title. And, yeah. and I think, you, you know, um, I'll, I'll just kind of wrap up here by saying, uh, and I'm going to rip through my points very quickly, but, but I think I'll, I'll just wrap up kind of by saying like, RJ, I think when I start to pitch you documentaries, I'm not going to tell you that they're documentaries. <laughs> I'm just going to explain what the story is because yeah. I think Lauren, like you're saying, I think if I just told you, Here's this movie. Dude, there's this crazy movie about this family driving this ambulance in Mexico City. You'd be like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, all this shit happens. And you'd be like, fuck, I'm going to watch it tonight. And then you turn it on and it's a documentary. And I'm like, gotcha, motherfucker. No, that's a that's a great idea. I think yeah. you've hit something by saying we should that's kind of, yeah. call them something else sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, something. I don't know. I don't know. You know, knockumentaries. <laughs> but so here's just very quickly. Here are kind of my main points, but I think Lauren, you kind of gave us the be- gave me the best point, which is like take away the word documentary and just focus on the stories, and RJ would love them. But here's again the, the ideas I came up with, which is like great way to educate yourself. Yeah, right. They're, they're, they are great motivation and inspiration. Like you can't tell me not watching the Anthony Bourdain documentary, you weren't inspired to make something great sure. or 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 lead a different kind of life, and also. There, you know, there's they can affect real change like a blackfish, like making of a murderer. Like, did these people actually, you know, uh, commit these crimes and all that stuff? And it it, documentaries, a a large portion of why I love documentaries is they let us reexamine something we thought was already true. The Free Britney documentary, perfect example. We all thought she was crazy. Wait a second. She's in this crazy system. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of a thing. And now. And that leads me to my, you know, and, and also they could affect real change as well. We can maybe help Brittany out by, you know, people watching this documentary. And then also, again, the last one is, and I use this argument a lot, there are no great greater stories than true life. 
You know, you look at The Last Dance. That's fantastic. Another sports documentary is When We Were Kings about Muhammad Ali fighting George Foreman um, and just what that meant, not just to those two combatants, but also to the culture, to society, like and reexamining that amazing moment in time where he came up with the rope-a-dope, where Ali was old and Foreman was this guy and, and you know, and just beat the shit out of Muhammad Ali, but he still beat him at the end because he punched himself out, which is great. But just these things, like us seeing life through a different lens is really interesting. Like, I didn't realize, I thought George Foreman was a guy who just made grills. <laughs> and Named I, and all he, of his kids George Foreman or whatever. But when he, when he shows up to fight Muhammad Ali in Africa... He has these two German shepherds and everyone was like, those are the same dogs that the police, the racist police use on us. Like Foreman didn't know that. And Foreman is just this guy who doesn't speak a lot. He's not a very happy guy. He's just you see him like punching this heavy bag and there's just a concave part where he's just beating the shit out of this bag. And so Ali kind of becomes this the people's champion and is that eventually is portrayed in a movie called Ali with Will Smith. Yeah. Ali, boom, bye, Ali, you know, Ali, kill him. That's all that stuff that comes from real life. And so that's the thing is, you know, these, these stories that we write when it comes down to it are kind of paper thin imitations of what true life really is. So there's a lot of arguments here yeah. and we're going to get RJ's verdict right after the break. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, we're talking about documentaries here with Lauren Kushner, co-founder of Early Bird Films. Uh, Blay, you've you and Lauren have uh, laid out quite a few arguments. It's really Lauren is the is the star of this. I mean, Lauren. Yeah, you. I mean, listen. There's. I didn't still, even need to say any arguments. She just kind of argued for me. She summarized them all before you even said it. It was amazing. It's true. It's amazing. I think one of the things that has but all right, I'm going to I'm going to tell you what my verdict is in a second here, but one of the things that has one of my pet peeves in filmmaking in general, not filmmaking, but film viewing in general is when a movie calls itself a true story. And I'm not talking about documentaries here. I'm talking okay. about yeah, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. then you look it up after and it's not a true story. It's based on like one thing someone said in another place. Like it's not even close. And then people like my parents, love my parents, they go to that movie and they think that's exactly how it all fucking happened. And it kills me. It like hurts me. So I think that's part of the reason that I have an aversion to documentaries. I think that there sometimes is a bias that goes into making them that when I think the word documentary, I think this is a true hundred percent thing and i think sometimes that could be messed with in editing or in whatever and that i think is my biggest aversion to documentaries that and there's a billion of them so i don't really know where to go i don't know how to pick them but also like like stories that are fiction also have a point of view as well i mean you know like you could make the whole thing that Thanos was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and he's the good guy. I mean, I just think, like, for some reason, people get their hackles up or whatever yeah. when it's, but that's, there's bias in everything. There's bias in reporting. And I, know. I think the problem is, I think documentaries in many ways are just asking people to think critically, if necessary, even. Lauren, I wouldn't even say, 
again, documentary, it feels like such a dirty word in a certain way because they're just great stories. And the bias doesn't matter if you're talking about certain stories, you yeah. know? Right. And I think there's also like a morality factor that comes in that does not need to be there. Right. Where like yeah, there yeah. were, you know, it used to be like, oh, yes, I only watch documentaries. And now that's really popular to say, like, and it's OK to be like, oh, there's this really popular documentary in I didn't like it. You know, yeah, it's okay yeah. to be, to turn something on for 20 minutes and be like, yeah. I'm not that into it. Unless one of us has said, yeah. get to minute 31 <laughs> and then yeah. tell me what you think, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. so that, that, you know, to know what to be invested in. And so I think that again, it's okay to like the films you like. And I think the documentary offers such an amazing opportunity. Most of the time when there's a, uh, you know, a film based on a true story, there's at least one documentary that's going to go into that. And that it's nice to be like, here's kind of a companion piece to that yeah. to yeah. see more about what really happened and Absolutely. to learn about it. And from the documentary filmmakers I work with, there is, a, I don't, there's, there's, we all have a bias, so there's that, but I don't think that there is a desire to sort of like manipulate or trick or, you know, and again, if you're watching Food Inc. or An Inconvenient Truth, right, there's like very specific things, yeah. but I think, you know, there's it. Right. And they're they're and it's complex. But I think in a lot of um, for for most filmmakers, they want to tell that that the the truth of it and for yeah. it to to feel true. And I will just share there's an in I know we're wrapping up. So I will just oh, share this. Um, uh, one of the filmmakers, actually, the producer and editor of Honeyland had had shared this with me, um, a quote that sits outside of uh film school in France from um, Godard, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he says, fiction films should feel like documentaries and documentaries should feel like fiction. Wow. And to me, That's cool. that really uh, is so powerful that, um, yeah, in, in many fiction films, and again, not, you know, uh, maybe in Avengers, but you do want to see you want it to feel yeah. real. You want it yeah. to reflect your life and your emotions and the things you go through. And the documentaries can be so wild that again, you're like, this is, how is this possible? And how have I not known about it until right now? So and Lauren, can't I think it. that is an amazing way to wrap up the, all of your all's thoughts. I, I mean, Blay, you had great arguments. Um, I think the thing that Lauren, you kind of, that we all kind of came to was that maybe the word documentary is throwing it off for me. The, even yeah. like the document, like something is like it, it, it feels and you hate reading. So if I'm saying it's and a I document, no, but, 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 but in all seriousness, you know, it does feel a little like fruits and vegetables -y sometimes. And it does feel like, <laughs> Oh, this better be, you know, true. But you know, there is even just the few stories that you guys have told me about, the amazing Jonathan thing, the ambulance fucking thing sounds insane. And I have to go see tonight. that right now. Like I'm going to call out of sick from work today and go watch it. Like it look, <laughs> it sounds insane. So for all of these reasons, uh, I think I will, with your help, with your curating, uh, professional help, I will go check out some documentaries, including Honeyland. That sounds amazing. <laughs>
Um, Honeyland is on Hulu. It's fantastic, and uh, and I can t- I've I have met the woman at the center of it. I have some amazing stories oh I can God. tell you. Oh, I also talk. I also have first of all. I mean, do we get to have like a uh, like a victory lap? Yes. How, how do you how do you feel about the word nonfiction? Ooh, <laughs> I like fiction. I love. I, I like, like in that books. You know? That's yeah. that's what nonfiction has kind of become the vernacular oh, okay. because again, documentary has been so like appropriated and used in different ways. Yeah. Um, I have a challenge for you, RJ. Okay. Awesome. So there's a film that I uh, got to to work on. That's one of these films. He's not a filmmaker. He's a writer and a comedian. And uh, he decided to make a video about he was in New Orleans when they were voting whether to take the Confederate statues down. Yeah. He was going to make like a five, ten minute YouTube video. That was like six years ago. The film has Holy just sh- the film has just come out. He's followed the story. He's Whoa. and I know that's the kind of film where you're like, oh, can, I don't know if I want to watch something about Confederate money. If you, it's on PBS for free through August fifth. Uh, if you watch it, I will double your donation to ah, the charity. Ooh. Wait, what's it called? It's called The Neutral Ground, directed by C.J. Hunt. And this is a prime example of a filmmaker who's taking what your expectations about documentaries are going to be and flipping it on your head. And it's really weird to be like, oh, you have to watch this movie about the Confederate's monument (laughs) removal. It's really it really does like illuminate a lot of things that like we were not taught in school and also it's hilarious so like that's the type of thing so you've got till august 5th all right pbs.org zero dollars to watch and uh your donation will get matched amazing i'm gonna do it and so thank you so much for donating with me to nokidhungry.org again if you guys want to donate please do uh lauren you were great oh my god so much Amazing. for joining us this was so fun uh if you oh, guys want to tune in to new episodes of hear me out you can every wednesday please rate and review and tell your friends if there's something you want us to debate send us an email at hear me out hear me out at gmail.com thank you brett kushner for producing the podcast strange hotels for the theme song we will see you next week watch more nonfiction. <laughs> <laughs>